Radio Show brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Uh, hoping your day is uh, going better than a uh, few people I've run into today. It's been, it seemed like today has been a little bit of a struggle, but we're all making it through. So, again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent and generally are pretty talented themselves. So on this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and this show looks to explore those two areas as best we can. My guests uh, include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, coaches, professors, just, just just about anyone you can think of that might fit into this realm and from all different types of industries. So what generally happens is I'm out at these networking events or conferences, and I have the privilege of meeting these inspiring leaders all the time. So instead of keeping them all to myself in the corner of the, uh, the local hotel and, and asking them a thousand questions that only I get the answers to, I decided to create this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I want to thank those of you turning in live. Don't forget, you can submit your questions via Twitter. Just tweet the questions to at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag Talent Talk. My producer, Mike, will try to feed me the best questions if there are any really good ones, and we can try to work them into the show. We also love to get your suggestions, comments, uh, guest suggestions, anything else you want to send us our way. Don't forget, you can also listen to this show via our podcast on iTunes, as well as subscribe to have that weekly show sent to you. As of today, drumroll please, we have almost 70,000 people who are subscribing to the podcast and are getting that show sent to them each week and uh, seem to really be enjoying it. We generally hear that they're enjoying it on the treadmill or the elliptical or at their kids' soccer practice, so kind of whatever they have a little bit of time to to do a little professional development, they're tuning in and listening. So with that uh, being said, let's get today's show started. My guests today are John Arcado. He's a director of human resources, and let me try to get this right, at Kishwaukee College, and Jennifer Fairley, a human resources manager at Lorna Jean. Uh, Jennifer will be joining us in the second half of the show, uh, live here in the studio, but let me get to our call-in guest here. For, uh, John, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. My pleasure. It's great to be here. And you got it right. It is Kishwaukee College. All right. Well, good. My producer properly prepared me because I have the innate ability to basically mispronounce anything you can think of. So um, (laughs) it's always the people behind us that support us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role at uh, Kishwaukee College. Sure, and I'd just like to start by saying I think you're probably at 70,002 listeners. My two staff members that are here today are are listening in as well. Fantastic. You're having a growing membership. Uh, Well, actually, I've uh, been the director here at Kishwaukee College for a little over a year now, and uh, my my background is kind of unique. I've 
focused in on more of the public sector aspect of uh, talent management and kind of wound up here last year. Uh, and it's been awesome. It's been a great experience working in higher education is, is not only inspiring but really rewarding and fulfilling because we're really working alongside some of the sharpest, most talented individuals in our nation that are teaching our courses, but also we get to see that product, that return of the actual students who are going to become the next leaders of, of our society. So it's really kind of a, a great way to see that mix and blend of, of talent working in your organization and helping to create a better tomorrow. Well, that's great. I, I know kind of managing the human resources function of any business is a challenge, and I would guess that filling that role in a college setting brings its own unique set of challenges. Can you maybe share a little bit about what some of those challenges might be from a you know strategic leadership standpoint and obviously comparing that to what you were doing in the private sector? Sure, absolutely. I think one of the uh, uh, most uh, challenging differences from working in the private sector is within a public sector environment, especially in higher education. There are so many environmental factors that are at play, putting constraints on our organization that require very specific sets of qualifications for our employees to be able to teach classes. Uh, the Higher Learning Commission, as well as all of our other state accrediting bodies, require very substantial uh, uh, degree requirements for someone to come in and actually teach students. Um, that is one component that we have to manage as we're going out to try to find that top talent. Uh, additionally, all the additional laws and regulations and several collective bargaining agreements are all at force here, really uh, helping the employees get the benefits that they need, but also providing some uh, challenges, but also some opportunities for us to be able to find the best people to do the work. Um, so it, it certainly is having to get a very good, uh, large, broad knowledge and understanding of the regulatory environment in which we work to be able to go out and find those top talents to comply within the, the course of our contractual agreements as well as within the law. Uh, so I'd say that's probably one of the largest challenges that we have is to stay within those boundaries and still find that top talent. You know, I re, uh, just uh, last week I spoke to a large group of uh, HR professionals and I was kind of talking about my thoughts on what a, how to impact culture you know, from the from the leader standpoint and how HR can kind of impact that. But the reason I bring that up is that there was quite a few organizations that were there that were from colleges. And afterwards when we were talking, one of the things that came up that I hadn't really ever thought about was that with inside a particular college or university, where it may be, there really can be these completely separate cultures because the the students are their own culture, the uh, professors are their own culture. You have your administrative staff, you know, helping the college function and work. They can be their own culture. Uh, the alumni association. So you have all these different kind of almost competing things that maybe a private company wouldn't have quite the division on. They, maybe they have different locations and they have their own struggles on culture. But in that college setting, it was one thing that just, I went, wow, how difficult that must be for HR in trying to maneuver through those different areas to drive initiatives, to ensure that compliance is happening, and to make sure that everyone feels like they're on the same page. Is that something that you experience as well? I think that's very, uh, a very kind of analysis of what happens in higher education in general. Um, but I think you need to kind of focus it back to that, you know, culture is driven by a common purpose and vision, and I think we have that. Uh, we definitely have that here, and I think that that is also the case at other institutions. Uh, we're here to, to better tomorrow by training uh, our workforce to, to be ready to enter the workforce if there has been some transition or get ready for their first job, especially within a community college, that, that purpose is even more uh, effective in, in driving 
drives us towards that that goal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are certain cultures that propagate themselves amongst the different divisions. Uh, you can certainly tell that there are different different cultural attitudes and beliefs. But I think our, our common purpose really unites us together. And being a community college uh, in northern Illinois here, uh, we actually are situated literally in the middle of a cornfield. And uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, geographical location. We're actually in the center of our district, uh, so no one has to drive more than a half hour to get to us. But that really kind of builds a culture of more of a mom-and-pop type of uh, atmosphere. Uh, We really do care about our employees on an individual basis, and I think that really helps promote a common culture within our own organization. And we've got over 600 staff and almost 11,000 students, so we're not dealing with any small bit of people here. Sure, sure. But I, I really think that that drive to be that, continue to have that mom and pop feel mm-hmm. while staying in line with all of the compliance regulations that we have is, is extremely important. Well, if you're located in the middle of a cornfield, I hope you do have that mom and pop feel because I think that must be what people want. They want that. You know, small, maybe not small in the sense of your size, but in that, you know, the feel of, of that people know you and that people are motivated to help you and that they're really engaged in your success, whether you're a professor or whether you're a student or somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why name tags come in handy, so we can actually see the name to <laughs> right. kind of propagate that mom and pop. Hey, I know you. <laughs> so. so obviously, you know, we look at maybe talent cultivation and, and management is really an area that many companies find themselves struggling with. What do you do to ensure you're drawing in the top talent available to fill in the spots that your college needs? Because I'm imagining you have some challenges. You have you said the high standards uh, of who who gets to teach. You have geographical uh, things. You're, you're not in the middle of New York City. You're not in the middle of Los Angeles. Uh, you don't have the same population or same uh, group of people to pull from. So, what are some of those challenges that you face? You know, in dealing with with that part of it. I think you're missing out on a big one, too, the, the cost constraints. Oh. We are uh, certainly resource-strapped uh, sure. when it comes to finances uh, going through just coming out of our recession. In the public sector, we're usually always the slowest to recover because of that, that catch-up that has to happen uh, with not only the tax base but also uh, with some of the other funding sources that we have. And I know kind of the state of higher education has been in decline over the past several semesters, so... For us, that's even more so uh, resonated because that's really where most of our our money comes from is through tuition. So when you have that decline, you you certainly have that constriction of resources. So that really kind of puts pressure on HR to really perform and deliver to give you top talent uh, for the best price possible. Um, So we've really had to step up our game to get people here. One of the common misconceptions that we have is we are, again, uh, perceived to be in the middle of a cornfield. But we're actually really close to a lot of great entertainment and uh, opportunities for people to uh, engage a larger community. Uh, We're very close to Chicago. We're literally an hour and a half drive from downtown Chicago. So our our recruitment efforts are really uh, focused on finding talent within that, that large marketplace within the suburbs and just north of us in the Rockford, Illinois area, which is a heavily industrial and manufacturing base. Um, And most of our programs focus on those types of uh, components. So we are really beginning to step up our game to go out and be more proactive in our recruitment to find individuals that have the necessary degree requirements to be able to teach or instruct courses, um, but to go after them individually, to be proactive. Mm -hmm. While we have the reactive approach by posting jobs and job boards and doing the messages that we normally do. We're we're trying to be very proactive using LinkedIn Recruiter, several other software packages that we can really go out and find key people uh, that may not even be looking for additional work. But we staff so many uh, adjunct faculty that are part-time 
that it's convenient for them, and they get some extra cash for the holidays or for uh, you know home improvements or vacations. So really, it's incentive for them because they get a little added money for doing something that they love uh, and are actually helping to better our cause here uh, within our organization. So we've really had to take that kind of strategic approach to go out and find the talent and have them come rather than having them come right to us. Well, I'm really glad that when you, you mentioned those many different entertainment uh, areas, you mentioned some of the things that you did, because in the back of my mind, I was afraid you were going to say a corn maze. <laughs> well, we do have one of those uh, in our nearby <laughs> town. <laughs> it's haunted right now. In ah. anticipation of well, that actually sounds good. I, I, no, I, I definitely want to come. Okay. Well, <laughs> well if you ever want to do a, a visit out off-site, certainly feel free to come to, to Malta, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see is kind of the really the most critical role for HR departments. And the reason I, I, I sometimes I ask this of people is that, you know, when the recession hit, I, I think that of the many punishments that HR had to endure, the one gift that they were given was that with the way in which they slashed HR, they, as things started to come back, they realized they had to bring HR to the, really to the more strategic level of planning and decision making, as opposed to just leaving them to be kind of doing tactical things, um, that, that they had to start involving them in, in, in the major planning and, and development of the company and how it was going to work going forward. As these kind of the catch up is occurring that you talked about, do you see that HR's critical roles more in culture management or strategic management development, or is it still the tactical, or do you see it really you know, being someplace else? Uh, I think it, real boils, it really boils down to one area in general, and that's selection. Everything else can be on autopilot if you have selection right. Um, take, for example, Disney. Uh, Disney has done a wonderful job at staffing their organizations with very talented, bright, kind, responsive people that care about their, their customers. And I think if you can, if you can tackle selection, you, you can tackle almost anything else. So HR really plays that strategic role in helping organizations find that top talent to help with uh, the continuation of their culture, uh, to help with the continuation of drawing and attracting top talent. So again, I think that's the number one priority that HR needs to be focused on, is getting rock stars uh, to be those uh, individuals that you employ. And things kind of help take care of the, themselves after that, that uh, point. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that term, you know, selecting that you used. The only problem I, I see that where companies, they say, great, and we're going to do that, is that they still need to go back, make sure they know who they are, make sure they have a dedicated purpose and their culture is working right, but they also need to, you know, spend some time trying to identify what that person looks like. What are those minimum qualifications that someone coming in the door should have to work at their organization? Then what are the next set of qualifications they should have for that specific job? Um, and I think that's sometimes where companies really kind of fall on their face. I mean, we, we all want great people. We all want upstanding people and have integrity and all. You can name all these different things, but if they haven't identified those softer personality characteristics, you know, which might be different for my company versus your institution or what have you, they, they kind of fall. Did you do anything to, to try to help categorize that a little bit? Well, I think, like I said, the, the number one most important thing that I believe HR plays a critical role in is that selection process. But that doesn't mean you negate the other tactical things that we have to do for compliance purposes, uh, specifically as it relates to bettering um, what I believe to be your HR staff. It's, it's continuing to promote excellence within your HR staff, not only from a customer service perspective, but also from a general knowledge perspective. And I think getting credentialed, uh, certainly going through formal training uh, is important because now you have 
the tactical uh, understanding and backside to understand what those nuances are for compliance to be able to go out and find the right people. I mean, let's take, for example, you know, the assessment tests that may, we may produce or behavioral-based questions that we ask during the interview. You have to be able to uh, validate those types of tests to the EEOC. And if you can't do that, then you're going to have a lot of trouble later on when discrimination suits come up. But I think that terminal background in getting your staff the professional experience that they need to know the broad scope and, and body of knowledge of HR is critical. Uh, and once you have that knowledge and understanding, you can help apply that to the appropriate methodology of finding that right fit. Because, again, what selection is so important because we, we don't have much information by which to make a judgment on individuals. It's very limited, and we want to make sure we're getting the right, right individual. So it may take a long time to go through the hiring process. But there's a reason for that, and we right. need to make sure that we're vetting people appropriately to make sure they're going to. I know cultural fit is a big buzz, buzzword right now, especially if you read the Dilbert comic strip. Uh, <laughs> that's been what this week's uh, characters have been talking about. But uh, we're not really forcing a cultural fit. We're trying to find who's right for the uh, organization. Sure. Do they have the qualifications to do that? Well, if they do, then let's take a look at how they actually act. Do they reflect our values? Do they align with our strategic vision and mission? And, and ask the questions that will get you to those answers. One of the things that I thought about when I saw you were going to be on the show was kind of getting into this issue of how crucial or not crucial you think the employee engagement component of this is because uh, for, for your for your organization specifically. Because to be a teacher, uh, let's say if we take that particular group, you really have to love what you're doing, uh, really want to be there, want you know, for all the things you have to put up with and all the things you have to do and all the qualifications you have to get and the uh, education and all the things that go into that, you really got to want to do that. So at some level you think, well, do they really need uh, a, a level of engagement or are they already kind of getting that on their own? Is that something that your HR department is, is, is really spends much time on or having to deal with? I think it really depends on the subject. You take a look at, we talked about the different cultures that may exist within an institution, especially in higher ed. Uh, you do have a lot of different cultures, but what I can say is our, our faculty and those that actually instruct absolutely love what they do, and their number one priority is the success of our students. So really, it is a love for the game. It's They love the, to do what they do. I mean, let's take, for example, to get to this level where you're actually teaching uh, college-level courses, you have to have a master's degree in order to teach. That's a lot of money to invest in yourself to get to that point. That's a lot of debt that you may be incurring to get, in some cases, sometimes a very uh, medium to low-paying position right out of college. So you absolutely have to love what you do, and I think it goes without question that, that people that apply for, for teaching positions absolutely love what they do. And I think that that's certainly kind of along that, that line of building your organizational culture. You know, people love what they do, and, and that's, that's their moto, motive, to keep them engaged uh, within what they need to do uh, to drive the success of the students. It's really hard to, to quantify, especially when our outcomes are so subjective. Mm -hmm. So I think having that motive and that love and that desire is essential. And like I said, you know, to get a master's degree or a doctorate, you're, you're in debt tens of thousands of dollars potentially walking into your first job. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, and uh, my wife's a teacher, so I know that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the things that you've done uh, there at Kishwaukee College uh, is to develop uh, and really implement a professional development academy. Can you talk about this and what effect it's had on the employees? 
Sure. Well, it's in its infancy still, and we're we're still going through all of the process of assessing some of the first classes we've rolled out. But we've we've developed several different kind of tracks, and we're working with uh, our staff to develop more. But uh, again, if there's a second thing that's important for uh, organizations, it's really developing your staff. When you really kind of look at uh, loyalty and what drives people to stay engaged with your organization, oftentimes it's professional development opportunities. And I mean, all the statistics out there today show that uh, the people entering the workforce for the first time now are probably going to jump careers 10 to 12 times before they actually retire. So having that mindset here allows us the flexibility to say, you know what? We know that our staff may not be here forever. Mm -hmm. The days of 25, 30-year employees are slowly dwindling. But what we've realized is that we want to give people the best training possible to develop their own career ambitions and goals, but also to reinforce the goals of our organization to deliver those quality service mechanisms, to understand uh, how to deliver that quality service that we we, uh, want to instill in our, our employees but also some of the very serious compliance requirements that we need to update everybody on 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 a regular basis. So we're injecting kind of uh, both sets of requirements, career-focused and college-focused within this uh, uh, training program to deliver very pointed and specific uh, programs and tracks to these individuals to achieve a certificate or certificate of completion on these tracks. And the nice thing at being at a higher education institution is we can add that onto your transcript and then you can transition that into a resume, and now you have additional legitimate professional development that you can show to additional employers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it it does seem like that's something employees really want. And like you said, they may not be there forever, but I think if you don't have any, they tend to be there even less these days. <laughs> yeah. You know. They want to go where they're valued and where, where you're going to be achieving that, that self-actualization, that that ability to go out and <clears throat> better yourself. That's really kind of what our, our we're seeing is trending with people entering the workforce today. Yeah. Well, one of our favorite questions to ask our guests, and we always try to ask it each time, uh, because we get such great and unique answers, so I'm hoping you have a, a, a qualified answer for this. We'll see. But uh, what book are you reading right now, and can you tell us about that? <laughs> well, I just finished one. I haven't picked up another one yet. Well, we'll go with that one then, the one you just finished. I just finished a great work uh, by the O.C. Tanner Institute, really a great great kind of story on how to apply uh, not only rewards and recognition, but also how to kind of instill that <clears throat> great work motivation into your employee base. Well, great. That sounds like a, a really good book. We, Like I said, we, we get such wonderful answers on that, We everything from biographies to... You know, business books and HR books. Uh, we, we've had uh, the history of California. I mean, we just had the most bizarre gamut of que- things. But it's amazing what is kind of making people tick and what they're thinking about and enjoying reading. And, and that's uh, the listeners tend to like to go and pick those books up. And as a reminder, we do place these on the blog. There will be an update about this show in the next week or two on our blog, peopleg2.com slash blog. And we'll have the book there listed so you don't have to remember to write it down. Cool. No, it's a great read and uh, is my internal bio says to our employees. I do enjoy long, boring management books. So that (laughs) fits the course. Well, uh, yeah, there there are a few of those out there. But, uh, yeah. So how can people uh, get a hold of you or, or, or you know, learn more about the college if they're interested in either attending or working there or finding out more? 
Sure. Uh, well, uh, Kishwaukee, K-I-S-H-W-A-U-K-E-E College is located at kishwaukeecollege.edu. We're in Malta, Illinois, just a, a short drive from downtown Chicago. If you're interested in finding out more about me, you can just log on to LinkedIn and search for John Accardo, A-C-A-R-D-O. Uh, I've got a LinkedIn profile updated. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, you can certainly find me in both of those areas, uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at John Accardo, uh, at John Accardo uh, as well. Wonderful. Feel free to, to reach out and uh, connect if you wish. John, thank you so much for being our guest on the Talent Talk radio show. We'd love to have you come back at some point, give us an update on how you're doing, and uh, we, we look forward to, to circling back with you soon. Great. Well, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, we have a Jennifer Filler coming up after this quick commercial break. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast like the other 70,000 HR and CEO executives out there who are listening to the, this show and past shows. You can visit either octalkradio.net and click on the Shows tab and click on Talent Talk. Or you can go to Talent Talk, uh, talenttalkradio.com. Uh, or the easiest thing is honestly open up your iPhone, go to podcasts, type in Talent Talk, and there we are. You'll see my ugly mug right there, and you can click subscribe, and you can get all these shows sent to you each week without having to do any extra work. So in the short time we've existed, we've already amassed that huge following I mentioned to you, and we really appreciate your support. 
My next guest is Jennifer Fairley, Human Resources Manager at Lorna Jane. Don't forget you can tweet your questions live to her right now by sending them to at PeopleG2 and using that hashtag Talent Talk. So, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. I know you've you've had uh, some great experience in HR, and but also let us know what you're doing now at uh, Lorna Jane. I'd love to. Well, I've been in uh, management and human resources for over 25 years, and I've been with Lorna Jane. Um, joined this year. Where uh, are we? That old? 25 years. I know. Can you believe it? It's pretty. Uh, yeah, we si- are. Sidebar, Jennifer. Uh, graduated what one year ahead of me at our high school we will yes. we'll omit the year but one year ahead of me so i can join in and saying i feel old when you just said 25 years yes but i do consider since i started working at two that oh, age two so of course so yeah. you were managing at home uh, hr okay yes Fine. managing my parents of course S- sorry to interrupt go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um i uh, have been uh, been in the field started out in general management um, have worked for some amazing companies, Disney uh, being one of them. I'm a two-time Disneyland cast member, so if you need to ever know about Space Mountain and how to run it, okay. I can help you. And the cookie that bounced around and all that. Okay. The cookie, all mm-hmm. that good stuff. Right now, it's Halloween time, so they've got their special ghost sure. ghost writer thing going on. I have been uh, with some really amazing companies leading HR and being in HR leadership. Uh, Fremont Investment and Loan, we were a subprime bank, so got to participate in uh, the nice financial crisis mm-hmm. and shut down 2007, 2008. Shut down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very, very, very amazing experience for from an HR perspective. Right. Have also spent time in retail, working with startup companies, and most recently have joined Lorna Jane. Now, we are a, we're brand new to the United States. We've only been here for about two and a half years, but we are an Australian company that does activewear mm-hmm. for women. So it's not just activewear, though. It's a whole active living philosophy. So um, you'll see us in all the major malls here in California, as well as we are taking over the West and soon to take over the United States. Um, we have basically a three-pillar uh, approach, which is move, nourish, and believe. So move your body every day, nourish yourself from the inside out, and believe that anything is possible. So we really exist to empower women and to empower people to live their best life. So this is really a direct, you're, you're in direct retail stores as opposed to it being like a, I forget what they call it, you know, like there's a jockey does, you know, they do it through consultants. They don't have them directly in stores. So you're, you're, you're direct, let's say, in your Nordstrom's or whatever the store may be, right, where people would find your products? Well, we are mostly in our own brick-and-mortar stores ah, called okay. Lorna Jane. Okay. So um, here in Orange County, we have a store over in the Irvine Spectrum. Mm-hmm. We also have a shore, uh, store over at the shops at Mission Viejo. We also have a store over at Bellaterra in Huntington Beach. And then some of our stores, we have tons of stores in L.A. I won't bore you all. Go to our website, www.lornajane.com, and uh, you can look up all of our current locations. We have another six or seven stores opening. We're actually about to open in three or four weeks. We're about to open our two Vegas stores. So um, anyway, we have standalone stores that have all of our clothing, but also we do have some locations like our Huntington Beach location that has what we call our active living room or our move studio. Mm. And we actually have two free classes a day. We have trainers that come in and they teach 
classes to the public, um, one in the morning, one in the evening. And then we have trainers that come in and teach classes all throughout the day. So you can come and get your move on and pick up a really cute sports bra. I know that's what you're looking for. Totes. Totally looking for that, right? Seriously, we've got one for you. <laughs> uh, we probably have about 20 for right. you. It'll be hard I'll, to I'll choose. pick one up for my wife. But, yeah. but the active class will be all right. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely a whole philosophy mm-hmm. um, behind our actual stores. Plus, of course, you can check us out online. You can buy anything online. Mm-hmm. We are an Australian brand. So have been in business since 1990, um, 25 years. And Lorna Jane is actually a real person. She's our chief design operator, or excuse me, chief design officer, Mm -hmm. uh, based in Brisbane, Australia. And she designs, we get probably um, a good 100 to 200 new pieces uh, designed every month. Every week there's new pieces in the store. And I mean, this doesn't. This probably happens more than what I'm realizing. But just in my own world, I don't really see a whole lot of things being created and coming from Asia Pacific this way, mm-hmm. right, to the United States. So it's unusual. I mean, there might be like I'm sure there's some surf brand or something that's in Australia, right? But it doesn't seem like things like this are being created there and then kind of coming out in the, into the rest of the world. It's usually the United States are being created and being sent there mm-hmm. or, you know, made somewhere else. So it, it's really interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's some, probably some differences we can get into and in maybe how the companies run or, you know, how things function that, that may be slightly Australian. Well, it's amazing. I've been a fan of the Australian culture for quite some time, having some very close friends who are Australian. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I had a little bit of an in before I joined the company right. um, and a little bit of insight into Australia, especially when it comes to personnel and HR law, um, as mm-hmm. well as business law and culture. We also have franchises in Europe. We have we have uh, our factory. We actually have our own factory that's all that's done in China. Mm-hmm. We make everything. We have complete control over the entire process. We also uh, make sure that our workers in, in China that do our garment manufacturing, they are paid one of the highest wages in the entire industry in the garment industry. So we really take care of our people no matter what country they're in. Mm-hmm. But it's been an amazing experience having done international HR for so or excuse me, national HR for so long to now be able to have the exposure to international HR. Right. Which gives you a new challenge and a new thing to have to work at and and uh, read up on. That's just it just seems what that's the way HR brains work. You know, you always want to be learning, always want to be next challenge, new thing. You know, hit me, hit me hard because I, I want to overcome that adversity or whatever it may be. I mean, it just seems like all great HR people are wired that way. It's very true. And this is such an amazing company. And it's such a great time to have joined the company to lead HR mm-hmm. in that there are so many challenges and so many things to learn and so many people hungry to learn. Mm -hmm. So I have such an amazing team. Um, We have an uh, amazing team out in the field at our home office in Santa Monica. Just incredible folks that are like sponges that learn every single day, every any mistake is an opportunity. And just having a culture like that is so amazing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know with all the experiences that you have had, you know, prior to your job now, and then obviously with all the great things going on at Lauren Jane, and you think about everything from from talent recruiting and management to really strategic organizational development. What do you feel is the most important role that an HR executive can play in a company today? Absolutely, knowing and understanding each and every aspect of the business. We specialize in HR. We can Google laws, laws change every second, right? 
and then they change back and they change forth and you know everything's always changing we need to be able to specialize in employment law employee relations coaching development all that great stuff we specialize as in as hr professionals Mm -hmm. but in order to truly be that partner to the business and help the business grow we have to understand each and every job and each and every aspect of the business how we make money where we lose money what are the risks i mean we need to understand that so that we can then use our expertise with all that great employment and people stuff we can then use that leverage it and help the business to be that more much more successful right right well i know in in Looking back at some of the other uh, kind of your past uh, employers or places where you were able to really help out, um, you were tasked with kind of conducting and documenting and resolving really intricate workplace investigations, you know, kind of around employee concerns. So mm-hmm. can you share a little bit about the challenges there with that type of work and how this really kind of helped enhance your broader understanding of your role in HR? That's a great question. The time I spent doing, specifically doing workplace investigations um, for one of the nation's, actually one of the world's biggest payroll companies, um, and for their clients, it really taught me that there are always multiple sides to every issue, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) the answer is always somewhere in between. Right. It also taught me a lot about psychology and how people think and how people speak. I learned that um, some, I already knew that crazy things happened out there in our world (laughs) as well as our employment world, but uh, the scalability of crazy could be anything from just a very minor issue. I had one case where it was a harassment and discrimination claim where a female employee at a tech company was offended because her supervisor started an email off saying, hey, guys, instead of, hi, team, or, hey, peeps, um, they used the word guy, and there were women on the team. And so I investigated a discrimination harassment claim based on that. Right. And then I've had um, very, very serious claims where there were actual sexual assaults. Right. Right. So it gave me a really good insight into the different dynamics of how people oh, the different levels of ridiculous, right? You have ridiculous because <laughs> yes. it's like really and then you have ridiculous because it's so terrible and horrible, right? I exactly. Mean, right. And then having to figure out the swiftest way to get to the bottom line of what actually happened to the best of my ability. Right really fascinating experience uh i will never just like my time at disneyland i will never forget it <laughs> well i know every company has a a different culture and you know sometimes in bad cultures you see more of this stuff but um you know that employees are really expected to adapt to or adopt to at really as their own really to kind of take on these what is your purpose and why are we doing what we're doing? It really has, has their own mantra. So how important do you see the alignment of culture to the success uh, of the company in general? It's critical. It is absolutely critical for a company to survive and thrive. Everyone needs to be on board with that culture and philosophy. So the mm-hmm. company must have a mission. And I think it really starts with screening and hiring. Mm-hmm. because you. And one of the things that we really look for when we select folks to join the Lorna Jane team is we have those three pillars, move, nourish, believe. We just, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're moving 
450 pounds deadlifting at CrossFit, or if you're going out for a five-minute walk with your dog. As long as you're interested in moving your body, doing a little bit more today to get to make a better tomorrow, mm-hmm. nourishing yourself so that you can then nourish others, and then believing that anything's possible and believing in yourself. We look for those qualities in people. Everything else is teachable. So if we bring someone on board, I'll use Lorna Jane as an example, we bring someone on board that doesn't want to move, that doesn't want to believe, doesn't want to nourish themselves or others. It's just not going to work out, regardless of how many years of experience, the depth of experience. They could have been CEO of the entire world and Mars. It doesn't matter if they don't share that same philosophy, because those pillars... They surround every single decision that we make in the business. And hopefully that they understand what those pillars are and how they might impact their work, uh, good or bad, before they accepted that job offer. I mean, there are people out there that are looking for a title or looking for a salary instead of looking for a career. That's a great point because one of the reasons why I was selected for this role, um, Bill Clarkson, Lorna's husband, he is our CEO of both our Australian business as well as our United States business. And Mars. Um, and Mars, no, okay. and, and the rest of the universe soon. When I met with Bill, one of the things that I told him, which I firmly believe, is I don't care if you call me the janitor, as long as the work is meaningful and I can make a difference and make a difference in others' lives, sign me up. I'm ready to go. And I think that folks who get tied up in those, I don't want to say tangibles, but the job title mm-hmm. specifically is one of my big pet peeves right. because the bottom line, it's the ability to influence, especially if you're in HR, it's the ability to influence the business, to change people's lives for the better and to make this world a better place. Right. And if I have the opportunity or someone has the opportunity to do that, and everybody does, it doesn't matter what your title is. One thing that has always stuck with me is the story that JFK told about visiting NASA. And maybe I'm getting that wrong, but it's a story around the JFK time. You know, he's uh, getting ready to to try and get men to the moon. And, you know, they're at NASA and he runs into the janitor or somebody runs into the janitor and the janitor, you know, is sweeping up and somebody says the janitor, hey, what are you doing? And he says, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. And I just, I know I, I butchered that story, so sorry, whoever originally who, who originally <laughs> whatever told historians that story. Are, are listening right now, yeah. But the bottom line is that that janitor went thought outside of those bullet points on the job description mm-hmm. and knew that by cleaning up, by taking care of his job responsibilities, he was able to help all the other people on his team right. get to the moon. Right, right, and it's it's just as. It has just as much uh, to do with the overall success. M- maybe people in different positions have d- different levels of impact and uh, come with different skills, but you need everyone in the organization to be doing their part in order for that, you know, needle to move or that, you know, whatever that rock to move, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, everyone has to be working together. And then from also a leadership perspective, whether you're in HR, whether you are a business leader, the key to is also playing to people's strengths. And again, it starts with hiring. You know, mm-hmm. we're really, when you're looking at a company, you're putting together a giant puzzle and every piece is shaped differently, but all the pieces go together. You just have to find the right pieces. So 
another thing that I really hold very, very, very close to my heart in uh, my philosophy is that I always want to make sure that we really work with people on developing them in the areas they're strong mm-hmm. and in the areas they're interested in right. versus completely and totally focusing on the things they're not good at. Right. Because they're going to improve tremendously when it comes to their strengths versus the things that they don't like to do. Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that because, and I've told this story before, so anyone who's an avid listener, I apologize for repeating the same story, but I have in many times asked successful people, should I work on my weaknesses? And they always say, yes. You should always work to be better at the things you're not good at. And I say, okay, great. But do you do that? And they, oh, no. <laughs> yep. No, I work, I, I do what I'm good at and I pay other people to do the things I'm not good at. Which exactly. Can certainly be, <clears throat> excuse me, translate into an organization that you should be focusing on the things you're really good at and finding other people to do those things that you're not. Other people should be handling that. And you should be finding ways to engage people in a team setting or a group setting, whatever it may be, to help you where you're not strong. Exactly. And to allow you to excel because you're going to be happier. You're going to be more successful. People suddenly get along better. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you, every time I've ever been asked to come into a group of people and try to figure out why they're not getting along, what's the problem here? And it almost comes down to one of two things. Terrible leader, yeah. right? Just, yes. And everyone <laughs> just wants to kill that person, and it's just no one gets along. Or you have too many people doing things they're just not good at. Mm-hmm. You and that they don't want to do. And they all, right, and you ask them, and they're like, okay, so why again are you doing the books? Well, because I'm the only one that knows how to do it, and, but do you know? And, and so you, you find that they're just doing what they can, but they're not, they're not engaged, they're not happy, they're not, you know, coming to work with a smile on their face or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're slowly getting there. They're the ones who are late. They're the ones everyone's waiting for. And so many of these things. Now, in, in an entrepreneurial setting, a startup setting, a lot of times you have to wear a lot of hats. But... Mm-hmm. You get to be more successful as you start to take those hats off as quickly as you can, Mm -hmm. especially the ones that you're not good at. Exactly. And I I couldn't agree more. It's so important. I always question, too, and when we were in school, I questioned this, you know, what what do kids get sent to summer school for? What they're not good at. Exactly. The class they failed, right? And so we we get sent to summer school, not we, not you personally, but maybe me got sent to summer school for algebra you know, or Mm -hmm. science. But if they had maybe sent me to a school where I could do, you know, what I was passionate about, dancing, theater, performing, Mm -hmm. you know, making a difference, I would have excelled so much more. Of course, the math is very important and it serves me as an HR executive. That math piece is critical. However, you know, I didn't, I, and I did improve, but I would have improved much more in the areas I was interested and strong in yeah and i think you know it has to be that base you know level of understanding that people need to have and that's always a big debate because there are all kinds of things that you know you could say kids are good at they're not good at but then they they need a certain exposure to and a base to to really be educated in the more in the world i guess in the problem in high school is i always thought the kids went to summer school probably were just too fascinated with the other member of the the opposite sex was probably... That's exactly why I went to summer school. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, ninth grade, I'm telling you, I, boys were much more interesting than algebra. Right, of course. And biology. Right. 
but <laughs> I will say that going to Troy Tech um, mm-hmm. just outed us a little bit. But by going to Troy Tech, having that foundation in computer technology right. um, at the very forefront, I mean, learning to program Pascal, learning to program mm-hmm. GW Basic, that has also served me as an HR executive to be able to understand and identify with and form a bond and a team very quickly right. with every area of the organization, especially with my IT people, because I can build a computer. I can, mm-hmm. pro, you know, I'm rusty at my SQL, but, you know, right. I can I can build your a relational database, you know, and understanding that and having that authenticity as a leader, as an HR leader, immediately helps me to help the business. Well, one of the things that people don't realize is that organizations expect you to come in very well-rounded. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a little contrary to how they advertise the position because they say, hey, we need someone who is the bomb diggity of like whatever this thing is, right? We want to totally. be the expert of this. But then if you walk in the door and say, well, I know how to do this, but I can't do anything else, then they, they don't always last. Right. Because you need to also know how to use a computer and to do Microsoft Office, and you need to know how to get along with people, and you need to know there's all of these like gamut of things. Maybe you need to know how to run a team and be a good leader. You know, you might be a fantastic at that one thing, but if you don't know how to manage people, so yep. I think that in I think within the the realm of of the regular business, we now expect so much more out of the average person to come in and already know how yep. to do, despite what we're asking them. Maybe in the newspaper ad or whatever, you know, career builder or whatever it may be, uh, asking them to do. You know what I think is probably the most valuable thing for anyone in any job anywhere, and I would definitely say if somebody's not good at this, this would be something to work on. Again, because we, <laughs> you know, I I do work on the things I'm not good at and I'm aware of them, but the key is being flexible mm-hmm. and open and open to change and. That gets into almost emotional intelligence too. Very, yeah, it yeah. really, really does. And so long we've very fo- we've been very focused on IQ and not EQ. Right. And it's, and I was just having this conversation today. You know, we can look. We can teach people to sell. We can teach people all. You know, to tell everybody about how amazing our workout clothes are. And believe me, they are amazing. I never, and I was a a Walmart Target clearance rack shopper for my workout clothes, I wear all Lorna Jane now, all day long, every day, even on my days off. It is so amazingly comfortable and cute. Anyway, aside from that, <laughs> um, sorry, I got all excited about our Lorna Jane clothes again, uh, but it's it's really being able to be, um, like we were talking about, being flexible, being mm-hmm. open, and then really being able to, if you're not figure out how you can get to be there and be okay with change because our world moves so quickly now mm-hmm. with technology oh, yeah. that, you know, it's two seconds from now, it'll be completely different. I'm waiting for technology to somehow invade our clothing. <laughs> it like went, a keyboard it on my pants or, I don't know, something, right? That would be, oh, I could get so much more work done. Yeah, just type on your knee or whatever, yeah. Just right there. I love it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It'll be, I bet you somebody's already invented it. Yeah. If not, I'm sure Lauren Jane can take it and I'll, I'll, I'll come asking for my commission checks. Oh my gosh. That'd be so awesome. Can you imagine being able to like type while you're on the treadmill? Yeah. Oh, multitasking. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, um, maybe if you're kind of looking through the eyes of a average Lorna Jane employee, what do you feel is the most important thing to them when it comes to being a part of, of, of the team? 
Gosh, that's a good question. I think celebrating celebrating where we're winning and really focusing on the positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also important to provide them that support. Like I was just saying, you know, we can hire, uh, we can train people to sell. We can train people about our items. But what we can't train is that the inside, their ethics, their integrity, the stuff they do when nobody's looking, the, the person they are when no one's looking. We can't train friendliness. We can't train enthusiasm. And so I think what's really important to our team members is that when we do, as we grow, as we do bring more and more people into our family, that we make sure that we're bringing on the people who have all of those soft skills and that personality fit Mm -hmm. and that culture fit. And then if there are holes in those technical skill sets, we can teach those things. Right. So I think that that may, they may not be able to articulate it exactly, but I think that that's what's important is that we bring on the best talent to support them in their role and then celebrate when we do things well. Yeah. Well, one of our favorite questions to ask our guests uh, is, what are you reading right now? And can you tell us about that book? Oh, my gosh. I am... Frankly, I've been working quite a bit, so I've been reading quite a bit of policy and procedure. Okay. Uh, and I'm trying to think what... Uh, Maybe a little green eggs and ham for the little one? Yes, I uh, for the baby. We, well, <laughs> we've been reading a lot of books about potty training, frankly. Oh, okay. Um, Ev- oh, and everyone, Halloween books. And Halloween books. Halloween. So, e- so everyone poops and then um, Halloween books. Okay. And Halloween books. So, yes, we are... Uh, Officially, so I've been. I don't think those are going to make it into our blog. Um, no, but, no. But and, and maybe are there is there a particular maybe kind of book in the realm of business or HR that you you think about as being influential or impactful or that you suggest for people? Actually, I have two. Okay. Um, and they are books that I basically keep. Like, if you picture me in my Lorna Jane workout gear with two, like my gun. Like my gun hold, holsters on my holsters, hips. Okay. I have two books in those holsters, right? Okay. One is FYI for your improvement by the Lominger Group. Okay. It's all about different competencies, and it really helps leaders and HR practitioners, and even individuals, to look at a particular competency or behavior and identify whether somebody is skilled, mm-hmm. unskilled, or overskilled. So, hmm. and it's it's got. It, it's phenomenal. Um, they also, Lominger also has a whole series of those books. There's FYI for uh, for teams. There's FYI for leaders. But my favorite one is FYI for your improvement. And it ha- it's like my Bible. So that when, especially when I'm working with employees, that and managers and teaching managers, that's my first. The second one is called Spy the Lie. And it's an amazing book that talks about the psychology of lying. And it was Hmm. written by a a team of four folks. One was a former FBI profiler. One was a a, uh, lie detector, like the country's lie detector expert. And anyway, it, uh, it will really really give you some amazing insight to how people use language right so and uh amazing from a loss prevention perspective but also from an interviewing perspective Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah there's so many things that i learned i had the privilege of well i don't know if it was a privilege or not well it started off as a privilege it became a chore but when one of my very first kind of big jobs and i was doing all the 
interviewing at the hotel I was working at. So first I was just doing the interviewing for my department, and then I was doing really well at them, and everyone else wasn't. So they started having me interview mm-hmm. everyone else in all the departments before they could get hired. Of course. So, you know, 3,000 interviews later, before <laughs> I end up leaving that job, because all I did all day long was do interviews, I picked up on so many things that were just little tiny things about words they used how, how if they looked at you how they looked away how they you know what they what they wore what they didn't wear i mean all these you know body language all these things it was almost my own kind of I didn't read a book to do it. i just went through the process and was able to figure that out and uh, it's amazing how much you can learn in those settings it really is and that book connected all those things that i learned as well with body language and mm-hmm. it enhanced it to this whole new level again playing on strengths and then going, you know, higher, it changed my world, especially doing all those employee workplace interviews. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then one other book that I think is so critical, um, another favorite book that I can reread over and over is called Generations Incorporated or Generations Inc. And it's uh, written by a father-daughter team. And they are, they basically just talk about all the different generations in the workplace from both perspectives. Of course, Mm -hmm. he's a baby boomer and she's a Gen Xer, but they also talk to, they also talk about the Linkster generation and, um, and really talk about all the generations and how we can work best together in the workplace. Very cool. Well, uh, we're almost out of time here, so we will uh, just need to ask you the one most important question, which is how can people find out more about Lorna Jane and if they're interested? Oh, wonderful. Please contact us. Uh, check out our website, www.lornajane.com, or you can email us at activecareers at lornajane.com. So A-C-T-I-V-E, careers, at LornaJane.com. Wonderful. Yeah, that'll get right to our recruiting team. We also, online, if you go to LornaJane.com, it also has a list of all of the rest of our store openings. We are actively recruiting for our Las Vegas area, our Gilbert and Tucson area, and also Dallas, Texas, and Portland, Oregon. So Lots of hiring. Yes, good. lots of hiring, lots of opportunity, and great opportunities here in California as well. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today. We're just about out of time. I uh, also want to thank John uh, Acardo, excuse me. And uh, next week we will have Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source, and Mike Miss. Kalowich, excuse me, he's the founder of Profit First Professionals. Um, Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2. 